Put that in your hat and call it macaroni, motherfucker. Can do, bud. everybody it's tuesday november the 1st 2017 and this is the fourth and wrong podcast i'm rj and with me as always is keith say hi keith hi keith why you gotta be like that you don't trying to start out like okay i you can start out as positive as you want you you win in football games okay so okay it's true (laughs) so until we until we get to a point where i have something to be excited about which i'm not saying i don't because i have some things that to be excited about at least something just happened something just happened that's pretty exciting uh but it doesn't help us in the immediate and it's i'm I'm just (sighs) words there's certain times in editing where I don't know if I should cut out the exasperated pauses because a lot of times I leave them in just to make sure that the point gets across. But a lot of times I'm like, I don't know if that's like a pause of him actually thinking or a pause of all the words getting crowded behind his teeth and not being able to come out at the same time because he's gritting them through so much anger. Yeah, that one was definitely the latter. So you can you can hang on to that one. So where are we starting today, RJ? Well, uh, we can go one of two ways. If you really want to start getting this right off your chest, we can go straight to the Browns, or we can take take a take a left hand turn and switch it up a little bit at the beginning. Nope. But ooh, switch it up. Just a little what, bit. What are we doing? Just you know before. But we uh, we basically jump to the headlines now because it's going to come up a bunch of different times. Yeah, we can do that because part of I mean part of the things I need to vent about are relevant to the headlines. Okay. So totally cool. Well, that- yeah. I figured that. Yeah. So let's let's talk about what you'll want to talk about eventually, or be mad about, I guess, more accurately, is uh, it was the trade deadline this week. Yeah, who, look, okay, uh, I blame the league for having their trade deadline at such an arbitrary time. Uh-huh. It's, it's almost like you have the whole year up to this point to make a trade. Look, shut up, man. Just... I don't look. I don't even know what's going on right now. Like, also, before we go any further, recognize that like the trade deadline is never this busy. Yeah, no, this is easily the busiest trade deadline I've ever seen. Uh, like a lot of times, it just kind of comes and go. Like, forget like any amount of big name players, you know, getting swapped around. It's usually sure. like people getting stolen off of practice squads yeah, or, you, or, or like, like a, the occasional big thing. Yeah, or you'll see like a third stringer dumped for like a like fifth or sixth round pick or something like just to like get some depth on somebody. But these were like marquee trades. People are building up for that last eight game push. So we'll, we'll go ahead and start with the one that I want to talk about specifically is the, the trade that didn't the, happen. The trade that could have been. And I mean the trade the trade that best basically was except apparently people don't know how to use like yeah so email like, what, is there do they train football executives how to be football executives like there's there a course I assume there isn't but I I assume there's some kind of basic understanding of how to do the job and the uh, way the NFL wants to do it when I think the answer to your question is no technically well yeah if as far as them being schooled on how but you know part of your job as a football executive is to st- i want to see a bunch of executives sitting at tiny desks right. 
part of being an executive in the NFL is learning the rules and regulations of the NFL and what they expect you to do as far as the team's leadership is requiring and the NFL is requiring as a franchise. So for people that don't know, Cleveland was attempting to and successfully came to terms with picking up A.J. McCarron, who is Cincinnati's backup quarterback, who's a solid guy. He did well last season when he had to fill in for Mr. Dalton. Kind of bummed it out in the playoffs, but hey, he took him to the playoffs. Andy Dalton was out for a while. <laughs> but hey, it's Cincinnati, and that's... That's just their you know. thing. Andy Dalton can't even win a football game. It's like, I we, we're Cincinnati. We win 10 or 10 games, and then we make it to the first round of the playoffs, and then we lose. Yep, that's just, you know, so pretty much he was par for the course. He did exactly what everyone expected him to do, which was good. Remember when Cincinnati was just, like, straight up bad all the time? Oh, do And I? now it's like, oh, they make it to the playoffs, they make it to the playoffs, they make it to the playoffs, and it's like... So the Bengals are, like, slightly less bad now, but still can't actually do anything, so... Yeah, those were the good old days back when it was Cleveland and Cincinnati, like, tussling down at the bottom of the AFC North. Oh, I remember those bum fights where you both end up at the end of the year with, like, three wins. Hell yeah, and, like, it would have to be a tiebreaker to determine who got last in the AFC North. Yeah, the, yeah, it was like a strength of schedule thing, like yep. which of you actually lost to better teams. Yep. It was it was the good old days, man, back when Cleveland wasn't just guaranteed to be shit. All right, so talk about this thing that you hate. Yep. Anyway, so Cleveland had come to terms with Cincinnati to trade for A.J. McCarron. We're, now, there's several things about this that frustrate me, so I'll finish it, finish the occurrence. In order to complete a trade in the NFL, not only do you have to agree between the franchises, you have to in, – in, on trade deadline day, all the paperwork has to be submitted to the NFL by 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Now, this isn't a huge – it isn't like a huge ordeal. It's just a – it's pretty much a slip of paper that states, hey, we're doing this, and the NFL goes, okay, cool, just so they know kind of thing. But if you don't do it before the trade deadline, you, you just can't. So what happened is Cincinnati sent in their paperwork around 3.55 p.m., Cleveland sent their paperwork in shortly after 4 o'clock. So the NFL told them, hey, you can't do that, so this trade never happened. Now, there's several things about this that irritate me. A, if you're a football executive and you understand that the trade deadline is November 1st, or excuse me, October 31st at 4 p.m., there's no there's no leeway. You you get the paperwork to them by that. That that is literally your job on trade deadline day, is to do these deals, make sure the paperwork's squared away, and do it. Evidently, according to some reports, some insiders, there was a bunch of celebration at the front office because they're like, "Fuck yeah, we landed AJ McCarron. He's a solid quarterback. Give us some help in the quarterback room." And then they turned around and realized, "Holy shit, it's after four o'clock. We done fucked up." It's like it's every sketch comedy bit ever where it's like, well, I mean, you sent it, right? No, I thought you sent it. No, you were supposed to send it. Pretty much. What do you mean we didn't send it? Right. And so they appealed to the NFL. Of course, the NFL told them no. They sent an appeal and was just like, hey, can this still like happen? We weren't we weren't that late. It's like you arguing with your grade school teacher, you know, about your homework. Be like, oh, can I turn it into you in fourth period? And then unbeknownst to your teacher or probably your teacher definitely knows, but you're going to do the homework between class and then bring it back to them. The NFL wasn't buying it, so the Browns are pretty much stuck. So it's it shows so much incompetence with the front office of Cleveland, which had already been 
an issue over the past two seasons because Cleveland's doing their quote-unquote rebuild is doing this money ball thing. Dump the vets, get cheap cheap young talent, acquire draft picks, all this fun stuff, and it's just not working. You know, So they Browns it. This is beyond Brownsing it, dude. Like this is a level of this is a level of I I used to be able to be comfortable calling the Browns mediocre, but at least they did things right. This is just straight up pathetic. And that's all this is. This is this is Cleveland officially reaching the pinnacle of what I would consider completely worthless in the NFL. Like they're if somebody doesn't get fired this week, I'm going to be more pissed than I am right now. Like, somebody needs to get fired, and it better not be the fucking janitor. Like, I want, like, Sashi Brown's ass on the hot seat, you know? I want... There has been a rift between that front office and Hugh Jackson since the draft because they took the draft in a completely different direction when they... When Hugh Jackson was under the assumption that he was going to get the players he wanted. There's so much control that's been taken away from Hugh Jackson when it comes to his input on what players to be picked up by that team. And even when the... Browns have needed help, which this is not a recent phenomena. The Browns have needed help in very specific key positions for the past eight weeks since the beginning of the season, minus the bye week. And we're waiting till, not only are we waiting to the trade deadline to make any moves on it, we can't even get that right. Like when there's a hard limit, you know, you have all, you have eight weeks to dick around with trying to find the right trade, but when there's an actual hard deadline on it, you can't even do that right? Like, you drop the ball that fucking hard? No, somebody needs to get fucking fired. And if somebody doesn't get fired, then it's just going to further exemplify the incompetence of the front front office staff and the fucking owner for not putting his fucking foot down. And a lot of problems are being blamed on Hugh and the coaching staff, but when there's such an obvious disconnect and... Hugh's having to work. I mean, let's face it. Hugh Jackson is having to work with a bunch of rookies and shitty fucking practice squad talent. And that you're not going to win football games that way, but they wanted to maintain their they wanted to try to build up a strong foundation and then use cap space, you know, more efficiently and all this dumb shit. And it's just not working. But the the blame is obviously to be shifted to the front office, and this is proving the incompetence. This is it. Like this is what happens when you have people that don't know how to operate a football team operating a fucking football team you have an Owen you have an Owen 8 team that can't made a trade deadline on mind you a trade that wasn't even a good trade in the first place Jimmy Garoppolo just got traded to San Francisco for a second round pick and Jimmy Garoppolo has proven you know granted in Belichick's scheme but he has proven to be at least a solid quarterback up to this point for six quarters for six quarters AJ McCarron has played you know, a good chunk of a season, but he has been said to have a lower ceiling, quote unquote, according to analysts. But we were going to give a second and third round pick for this man. Okay, sorry. Not uh, I want to keep going on this, but I just to backtrack for a second, wanted to say that um, hard deadline was my G.I. Joe name. And <laughs> that's all I needed to say. So go on. So the trade itself wasn't even a good trade, in my opinion. We have, if you wanted some kind of quote-unquote veteran leadership in that locker room, you shouldn't have cut all the veterans out of the locker room. But now we're trying to bring in a quarterback that hasn't seen a it's lot a, of play time. It's a fair point. Yeah, so we're, so we're having to bring a quarterback that hasn't seen a lot of first-string play time into a system that he may be familiar with because the 
he was Hugh Jackson was his offensive coordinator at one point. That was literally the only positive I could see is if we get AJ McCarron, at least Hugh Jackson's coached the motherfucker before and he likes him. Hugh Jackson likes AJ McCarron. But there was some solace in the fact that Hugh Jackson has coached AJ McCarron before. And Hugh Jackson wanted him. Hugh Jackson was from reports quite upset when he found out the trade went through or went went under. Hugh Jackson was already upset when Garoppolo got traded to San Francisco, when we were trying to offer New England a first-round pick at the beginning of the season. Dude, it got so bad that Hugh Jackson's fucking daughter took to Twitter and put the entire front office of Cleveland on blast. Wow. She she pretty much said, uh, somebody, somebody tweeted, so, hey, are the Browns pissed that Garoppolo got traded? And then some insider was like, yes. And then... Hugh Jackson's daughter retweeted that and was like, well, it's hard to get players if you don't pick up the phones. Boom. And then the guy tweeted back, well, yeah, I'm right. And then she tweeted, I'm about to uncover all y'all's secrets. And it's just like, holy shit, Cleveland's front office is either about to get blasted or Hugh Jackson's daughter is about to get sent to Somalia. <laughs> uh, do you really think the the Browns have that much cap space to spare? <laughs> to, to try to scrub somebody off the grid? <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, we do. So I was along for the ride for Moneyball last season. You know, dump dump veterans that haven't been very productive, acquire draft picks, check. Rough it out this season and at least attempt to win some football games, check. Try not to get anybody killed, half check. Go into the 2017 draft and clean up, check. You know, acquire those skill positions that we can utilize in the future that have a high ceiling and get them involved. Awesome. The part they forgot is use the remaining 20-something million dollar cap space they had and get some fucking veterans back into those locker rooms to help these guys develop. We're, re- we're relying on the coaching staff. You know, there's like three veterans that I can name off the top of my head that have played in the NFL for longer than three or four years that play for the Cleveland Browns right now. Y'all should have given us something from our Marcel Darius. I've, I would have took it. Shit. We probably could have gotten something better than a sixth rounder. Probably. We got, dude, we got plenty to spare. The thing that frustrates me the most about it is I've kept, I mean, you've been here, you've been riding this wave with me for the past eight weeks. I've kept my mouth shut and I've tried to stay positive, but I've officially hit my breaking point. I was not nearly this upset with the Cleveland Browns last year when we were sitting 0-8. Because I, because I don't know that I would say you tried to stay positive. You tried to be not negative. Well, I definitely tried to be not negative. <laughs> you know, but I was I was fuck. Cleveland was zero and eight last year, and I could not remember being this upset. But it was. This is just it. I've I've officially jumped from that cliff. Uh oh. To where, unless something happens this week, some major overhaul of either the front office. Or we start going crazy in free agency to just see what's going on in there. Or we start, you know, something. Just something. If something doesn't happen this week, obviously trades are off the table. I'm mm-hmm. I'm going to hire a dude to stand out front of Berea with a sign that says, Fire Jimmy Haslam. <laughs> you know, he's the owner, but we'll find a way to fire him. Okay, next week. Josh Gordon gets reinstated. It goes one of two ways. Mm-hmm. The Browns keep him. What's your reaction? Uh, great. I, we are not in a position to say no. Okay. The Browns cut him. Um, see, that mm, 
that's a hard one. I could understand why they would feel inclined to do so. I don't think we're in a position to do it. They we okay. they put they put with with knowing Josh Gordon was in New York this week, they put him on the trade block before the trade deadline and they shopped him around. Nobody wanted him. So why not well, why, nobody wanted to trade for right, him? Right, nobody wanted least. to trade for him. So why not just hang on to him? He's the best option we got, you know? <laughs> and that's saying something. Yeah, you know, I wholeheartedly believe that Josh Gordon is the best we got when it comes to putting some kind of actually skilled person in a skilled position. Uh-huh. And now we're not talking about seeing Josh Gordon on the field until December, but I think Cleveland would be dumb to not give it a shot. You know, we haven't been paying him. He's been suspended without leave. It's not or without pay. It's not like we we've been giving him money so it's right it's, we haven't lost anything on the guy every time he gets suspended his contract gets suspended with it so fuck it why not it's not gonna offer it's not i don't see any downside besides we lose him again well we've been without him for two and a half years already so what's the fucking sure. harm right you know so i mean if he fucks up again he's never gonna get reinstated so he's he knows the line he's on right now too you know he's been reinstated in the nfl three fucking times they're not gonna do it again how many more weeks until he's out of the NFL permanently? Uh, well, I hope it's more than like nine. <laughs> <laughs> First week of next year, Josh Gordon suspended. Yeah, and uh, oh boy, that'll be interesting. If we could just keep him for the rest of the season, just give me something to look forward to, that'd be great. Okay, but that'd be the other part of the news that I wanted to talk about. Is although there's a lot of negative things going on in the house of cleave right now uh at least we can look forward to maybe getting josh gordon back by the first week of december because mm-hmm. he is officially re- uh reinstated in the nfl and will be put on the commissioner's exclusivity list or some shit i don't know is that like the opposite of the honor roll i think it's the opposite of the honor roll it's it's like hey if you fuck up we're not only going to suspend you indefinitely we're going to like scoop your eyeball out or something i don't know it's like it's like the dean's shit list yeah pretty much Dale gonna have an eye on him. All right, uh, let's talk about the rest of the major trades from this week. Sure. Uh, I already brought him up, so let's talk about it. Uh, the Bills cut Marcel Darius, more or less. I mean, when you trade him to Jacksonville for for a, for a sixth round pick, that's a conditional fifth based on performance. The Bills really do have a history of doing that with big important players. Yeah, and that's funny. Isn't Marcel Darius one of your more highly performing players? Uh, or is he like a middle middle of the road kind of guy? He is he is a perennial pro bowler when he wants to so be. So can a brother at least get a compensatory fourth out of the dude? Like Yeah, right. Like I mean, if we're going to if we're going to lowball, let's at least lowball realistically. Yeah. Well, you know, kind of like uh, we'll talk about a jockey in a little bit, oh, sure. but it's it sort of seems like both of those two se- share a similar fate of like the coach is kind of wanting to use this move as a punishment move, yeah. though for Ajahi, it kind of didn't, uh, we kind of don't think it went that way, but again, we'll talk about him in a couple minutes. Sure. We sent, we sent Darius to Jacksonville. Jacksonville's got a pretty stout defense already, but the bills also cut a ton of cap space, which is going to be important going further because Indomitian Sue at one point set the record for the highest paid defensive lineman. And then Marcel Darius came right back around and beat that. Sure. So for at least a little bit, he was the you know highest paid D lineman in the league. Maybe defensive tackle. I don't know if it's the entire line or what, mm-hmm. but something like that. So, 
so he was expensive. So we cut like eight and a half million off of our cap this year and something similar next year. But then we cut like 13 and 15 million the following years because he was just recently signed to a really big uh, contract. Yeah. And he and Sean McDermott had basically been butting heads because McDermott's whole thing is, you know, earn it if you want to be on the field. And a bunch of the team has really come together. And that's something I'll also talk about a little bit later when we actually talk about the Bills. It seemed like Darius was having disciplinary problems. It's not the first time this has been a problem. You know, he's also been suspended at least once for substance abuse involving marijuana he's had these sorts of issues in the past and mcdermott i guess is just totally putting his foot down and saying nah dude like darius has been sat at the beginning of games recently he hasn't been a starter he's only been playing like half the downs of the game and we've still been doing relatively well now granted we still also have kyle williams in the middle and that helps a lot so you know it's not like we could suddenly pull two pro bowlers and be doing what we're doing i don't think you know, it, it wasn't something, it was something that I could kind of see coming. And when I heard about it, I was like, oh, and then I was like, that makes sense. I, I'm not surprised by this. Yeah. I wish we had gotten more out of it, but I'm not shocked. Yeah. That's one of those where it's, it's really convenient that you can blame it on disciplinary issues, but also cutting, you know, multi, multiple millions of dollars off your cap. It was it was another one of those Whaley year moves where we had just re-signed Marcel for a bunch. So yeah, it's a it's a good business decision as well as probably beneficial for him as a player to get out of that environment. Right, because now going into the other big Buffalo trade, uh, yo, we got Kelvin Benjamin. Yeah, you did, and that freedom. I hope that's it. I hope that's good. Uh, he, dude, you should have seen how many Panthers fran- fans were crying about losing him. So evidently, they think highly of him. Yeah, well, I mean, so Kelvin Benjamin comes out of that 2014 first round wide receiver draft class that included Sammy Watkins, Odell Beckham Jr., Mike Evans. Yeah, probably one of the more loaded wide receiver classes in a while. Right. I I think Eric Ebron was also part of that class. Also, he hasn't like super produced since then. So he was kind of the one outlier. Yeah. And it took Kelvin Benjamin a while to get into a stride, but he's been a reliable big man target for for Carolina. I think that's going to be something that the Bills are going to be able to take advantage of, even if he's not. I mean, he's obviously going to walk right into the number one slot. Yeah, I think so. And that's something that they're going to be able to take advantage of pretty much immediately is so big target in the red zone and somebody that can stretch the field with with his side yeah i had i had an interesting comment said to me today at work which was um when i brought up the trade uh one of my co-workers was like kelvin benjamin sammy Watkins. it's basically the same thing like they've both been hurt and it's like yeah okay like Kelvin Benjamin tore his acl and that's real bad but we've seen players come back from it again adrian peterson a great example yep and, you know, it, a lot of times you don't really tear your ACL more than once. Yeah. F- for the most part, like usually it happens. Or if it happens again, that's your career. But a lot of times we see these younger players these days tear it early, miss a season, and then come back and be pretty much fine. Yeah, and that's the and that's the big difference between how football's – how the players are cared for nowadays versus how they were back yeah. in the day. I mean, ACLs – an ACL injury – used to be that used to be your career that was, that was it that was just it you know yeah but nowadays you can go to surgery come back 100 percent. i mean fuck adrian peterson did it twice i mean we'll see how right. we'll see how he's doing when cardinals come back from by 
but he looked good when he when he was featured. He looked good, and that's just right. that's just the difference of how players are taken care of. So I I still think the Kelvin Benjamin thing was a smart move, especially with how you guys well, would have been hurting on with receivers. Yeah, and getting back to the point was that Sammy Watkins also been injured, but he's had weird like nagging things all over the place yeah. where it's like his feet or his ankles or you know yeah. something like that, and he's never been. I don't know that he's ever been 100% healthy. Like, he broke his foot last year, and I think he was pretty much broken the entire season. Like, I believe at one point, Anthony Lynn, who's now the uh, head coach for the Chargers, who was our offensive coordinator at the time, basically said, like, Sammy was in, Sammy had offseason foot surgery, came back, played two weeks, got put on some form of IR. I think it might have just been straight up IR. And then when he came back off of it, Anthony Lynn made some comment to the effect of like, yeah, his foot's broken. And they're like, uh, do you mean it's broken again or it's or it's still hurting him or what? And he was like, or, or like it never healed. And he was like, last I checked, his foot was still broken. And he used the word still. <laughs> and it's like, okay, so Sammy Watkins' feet, not so good. Yeah, Sammy Watkins is obviously a madman. But yes, uh, getting getting back to your point, I think Kelvin Benjamin comes in. I think he's immediately the number one. I think Jordan Matthews shifts to number two, and I think Zay Jones gets to finally live in the slot where he belongs. Right, not not in every snap receiver. B- yeah, big, I think big, we mi- I, big middle of the field target. Yeah, I think we I think we got our number one receiver who can play a lot of downs, who's not necessarily a burner still. Sure, but. Yeah, Yo, that dude. He can go. That dude. Uh, that dude apparently is a little overweight and has been having issues with that. Mm-hmm. But that that guy's six foot five and can still run a four six two. Yeah, and he bodies people. Man, he is a physical Fi- receiver. Find me a six five defensive back. Right. You know, and he he will even even the big defensive backs like Richard Sherman. You know, people like yeah. that that are abnormally large for a defensive back. <laughs> Right, I think Sherman's six three. Yeah, six three, I think. And when you put when you put like a five eleven or six foot defensive back against six five Kelvin Benjamin, and then you put a fifty fifty ball up there, that yeah. that's the thing that the Bills have really been missing. You know, you're always mm-hmm. talking about Tyrod being able to pretty much teabag it in, you know, drop it in a bucket from thirty right. forty yards out. But you were always talking about how the parameters pretty much needed to be established you know there had right. to be some yeah, kind of we, there had to be some kind of separation there had to be a nice gap for him the a spot in the zone for him to throw it into now he can throw that nice lofting ball at single coverage he could be tight single coverage he could have got jammed at the line but we're still talking mm-hmm. about somebody at 65 that can body any defensive back in the league and you've seen him do it now that doesn't yeah. that doesn't make him you know the premier wide receiver there are people in the league that play the position better but he is leaps and bounds better than what the bills have at their disposal right now right and yeah the Tyrod went from having to drop it into a thimble to dropping it into like you know a 55 gallon drum right exactly you know Calvin Benjamin just has that kind of range mm-hmm. and Tyrod can kind of just leave it up there yep and so so long as he doesn't get you know tagged from both sides hell even if he does get tagged from both sides as he's going up or coming down with it that guy will probably still come down with a fair number of them. Oh, absolutely. And it's not like they're only going to use him as a 50-50 ball target, you know. Right. Uh, the- also, think 
think about our think about our potential red zone threat between him, Andre Holmes, Charles Clay, whenever he gets healthy, and like LaShawn or Nick O'Leary. Uh, like absolutely. we got a bunch of we got a bunch of big guys. They've a lot of them have proven they've got hands. Andre Holmes is playing honestly slightly above my expectations at this point. Uh-huh. And he's another six four, six five, you know, dude who can go up there and get yeah, it. Yeah, there's there's one th- the the worst thing to be combating in the red zone is a team that has a bunch of big physical guys that know how to get lost in the end zone. That's right. You know, it's versus versus a mobile quarterback and a shifty running back. Like, right. good luck. Right. You know, if you have first first off, I hope you guessed right. Second off, I hope you can do something about this. Sure. So when you have when you have a bunch of these physical physical guys that can have decent hands and can bring down some difficult balls. Now now the guessing game between a running back and a scrambling quarterback now is a guessing game between those two options as well as the three red zone targets that they have in the end zone. It only takes one time for a big man to get open either in the corner or the back of the end zone because he gets lost in the coverage. It happens all the time. The linebackers, right. the linebackers play up for you know to anticipate the draw or something like that and especially when uh they're running off the play action you'll see you know big homie tight end literally standing in the back of the end zone waiting for the waiting for the play action to be finished and the linebackers don't even know what the fuck's going on because they're still looking down at the quarterback and the the running back and then they just fucking float it into the back of the end zone you can't over you can't overshoot these guys you know it's not like you can shade extra coverage towards Kelvin Benjamin, it's not like you can commit to LaShawn McCoy. It's not like you can commit to spying on, on Tyrod. I it, I think it's it's one of the best moves that the Bills have done in a while, as far as when I've been following. It was alarming. It was you, definitely you like, alarming. <laughs> you, you were like, hey, so the Bills have a new wide receiver, and I was like, they what? Yeah. And I was thinking no, like... I, that wasn't my verbiage, or my phrasing. My phrasing was, hey, the or Bills they have a, wide, have receiver a now? wide receiver now. <laughs> yeah, so I was like... Ah, like what? What second stringer did we get? No, like, man. did we suddenly pick up like Muhammad Sanu or something? Like, which injured Giants wide receiver did we get? Nope, Panthers number one. And option. then, <laughs> yeah, and then it was like Kelvin Benjamin, and I'm like, you, you're what? Yeah. I think I sent you the word "what" about twelve times yeah, yesterday. Yeah, pretty much. It's and the first time when I read it, I thought it was like I was like y'all, mm, y'all fucking with me. You know, yeah. as much this, as this is a typo. Yeah, as much as as much as the Panthers are struggling with their offense right now, you're telling me they're gonna trade away one of their better receiver to no, no, not that's not a thing that happened. But one thing it does show me is that the Bills are taking they're gonna take this these last eight games seriously. They're gonna make a serious push for the for the playoffs and beyond. It's very much what a lot of them were saying from the very beginning was you know, tank is not in our vocabulary. They've been building this thing, the, this kind of thing, the whole time. And even when I was like, I don't know, you guys. Mm-hmm. Since then, they just keep proving that they can win games, and they're winning them handily. In certain cases, yeah. This week in particular, yeah. This week definitely in particular. So we got a couple more trades to talk about before we move on sure. to talking about actual games. Sure. Um, let's let's circle back around and talk about Jimmy Garoppolo getting sent to the 49ers and the fact that apparently some part of their coaching staff, I think it might've been their head coach mm-hmm. has already said that he may not play this year. And I think that's also weird. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Garoppolo is at least benched for a few weeks. 
to learn the system. Now to say he won't play for the whole year, I don't know about all that. Who else do the 49ers have at quarterback? You know, they not Brian yeah, Hoyer they, anymore. They drop Brian Hoyer, who's now back with the Pats, and the fucking Fuck, the, fucking ring chaser. <laughs> hey, he's he knows their system, man. That's all that is. Uh huh. And then you have um, oh, what's his dick? Fucking the guy we could never know. Uh, CJ, yeah, CJ Bethard. When we first saw his name, we were like, who? And I still say that <laughs> right. because he sucks. But <laughs> because who? Yeah, because who? Uh. Yeah, because they're going to put him back in after the way he's been playing. Uh, I think I think Garoppolo is going to sit for a few weeks to learn the system, and then Kyle Shanahan is going to throw him out there. Look, Kyle Shanahan is a great coach, and he has schemed wonderful offenses for football teams. Like, nobody expected the Falcons to be as good as they were last year. Look, Kyle Shanahan loses. They have a lot of the same t- – or leaves. They have a lot of the same talent. Now they're not as good, you know. So it's definitely not. I, I just don't see it happening. Kyle Shanahan's gonna Deep. gonna integrate him into that system, and he's gonna make the offense applicable for Garoppolo, and then he's gonna we're gonna see. Yeah, but having Garoppolo sit for the rest of this season, I don't see it happening unless they're just gonna bite the bullet and say fuck it. No, we're gonna give you a solid eight games to learn our system, and then we're gonna draft some talent around you, and except for that number two pick. And then we'll see, we'll go back at it hardcore next year. I'm just sad that the Patriots are going to have a second round draft pick before both of my second round draft picks. Yep, that's going to be a good old pick for them. And well, that's that's one of the big things about a lot of people are saying that the second pick was an interesting value for a quarterback that a lot of people thought were worth a first round pick before the mm-hmm. before the beginning of the season. But a lot of people gotta understand is like this is gonna be an early pick. Like we're talking about like thirty four, thirty five, you know? So Oh, at at least. Right. So this is this is this is going to be there's still first round talent on the table in the first couple of in the first few picks of the second round. So they're Absolutely. they're gonna get a good player out of this pick. And so I if anything it And they're it the Patriots, be, so of course they're gonna get a good player out of it. Sure. And the, the biggest takeaway I have from this trade is it really, to me, it really shows that that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and the front office aren't really operating on the same page that much anymore. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, at the beginning of the season, they got they ditched Jacoby Brissett. Cool. No big deal. Right. Still had Jimmy G. Jimmy G's been a pretty important part of that offense, filling in for Tom Brady and being, to a lesser extent, a leadership role because he's been a mainstay in that team for a while. And then all of a sudden, Tom Brady starts coming out with this almost cultish fucking TB12 method shit. And he's like, nah, I'm going to play till I'm 60. But, so, Belichick, Belichick was positioning... The reason why they were posturing so hard at the beginning of the season is because they... When people were, hey, we'll give you a first-round pick for Garoppolo, and they're like, no, he's our quarterback of the future, you know? And now Tom Brady's doing this thing where he projects himself to be playing for another three or four or five years, and they're just like, well, we need to get rid of Garoppolo now while he still has value. Oh, man. Oh, man, it's time. The planets have aligned. The Bills are going to win the AFC East. Yeah. If they win the next game, it'll be the first time they go 6-2 and two since their Super Bowl teams. And then the Patriots, they don't have any quarterbacks. And then Tom Brady, the Madden curse will finally happen, and the Bills are going to win the AFC East. The planets have aligned, and 
it's possible. We have a wide receiver. So you have a singular wide receiver, <laughs> and and you're currently tied for first in the AFC East. Anything is possible. It's a crazy year for football. Josh Gordon's back in the NFL. Wild things are happening. We got a couple trades left to talk about. Let's talk about the maybe less impressive one because I just kind of want to get it out of the way. Yeah. Um, the Seahawks acquire Dwayne Brown from the Texans. Apparently, he's a pretty good lineman. Yeah, he's the best lineman that they had, but one of the best, better linemen in the league. I think that was more of an injury and cap, cap space issue. Uh-huh. And That's what it seemed like. Yeah, and he's injury prone. Seattle needs help at at tackle. I think it kind of puts Deshaun, Deshaun Watson in a little shitty situation because that offensive line was already struggling at the beginning of the season. They kind of picked it up a little bit here, but... Fortunately for him, he does have legs and he does not extend the play. So I think it's going to be impactful, but not nearly not nearly a, a blockbuster or anything that's going to really break the role that Deshaun Watson's on right now. Okay. Just wanted to bring that up because apparently it was noteworthy enough to have headlines in a couple of places. So. Oh, totally. But the last one, another actual blockbuster because really, you know, Kelvin Benjamin, Marcel Darius, the breakup between the Browns and the Bengals, not necessarily a blockbuster name. Um, but, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo and now A.J. Jahi going from the Dolphins to the Eagles like for a, for a fourth-round pick. Talk about steal of the decade. Like, the, the front office yeah. of the Eagles should be convicted of a felony. That is larceny. Yeah. They – now, let's be honest. It was the, the Dolphins' NBA fault, would look. <laughs> the NBA would look at that and go, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. No, no, you may not. Yeah, the the Dolphins. I mean, it was the Dolphins' fault. Jai was talking cash about the coaching staff and the front office, and to send a message. Is that a term you millennials use these days? What's that? Talking cash. Yeah, talking cash, shit, boy. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're a millennial too. Don't forget that. Sure. You fucking youths. I don't know. <laughs> But the Dolphins' response in disciplinary action was to trade their best running back to the number one team currently in the NFL uh-huh. for a fourth-round pick. Uh-huh. And that number one team currently in the NFL already has a pretty solid backfield. Uh-huh. Garrett Blunt's pretty all right. Way to hand them the NFC. That's what you just done did. You handed him the NFC for a fourth-round pick. I hope you're <laughs> proud of yourself. Like we were talking about earlier, it's like, okay, Ajayi was, was like fucking things up and talking shit about coaches and whatnot. But then as punishment, it's like, we're going to send you to the team that's probably to the championship game. Yeah, let's send you to only the, you know, only the most consistently good team in the NFL currently. Like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. We're also going to severely weaken our own offense that is already struggling. You know, when your coach is saying this is the worst offense ever in the NFL ever, and then you trade away literally one of your best players, if not your best player, as punishment... You know what's punishment for a football player? Sit them. Don't let them play. Yeah, put them on the third string. Yeah, put up, put their asses on the practice squad. It worked for Pittsburgh. They they benched the dude. He stopped talking shit. They're going to bring him back up. That's punishment. And, it, and I don't know if it was like – because I saw an interview with one of the guys who I guess was in the front office for the Eagles. Yeah. I wasn't paying that close of attention. Sure. But it said Eagles on the bottom third, and I was like, oh, okay. 
he basically was like, yeah, it was, you know, it actually came together fairly quickly. And in retrospect, I'm thinking about that. And I was like, does this guy just have an incredible poker face or has it not hit him yet? I mean, we've seen a Jahi in pads, like wearing a different shade of green already. Like, does he not get it? Cause in my mind, it's like, what was that phone call? Like, it's just, it's just the head coach from the dolphins just being like, ah, rah, rah, Jahi. Rah, take him and the guy on the other end of the line's like uh a fourth rounder and the guy and the head coach is like ah yes it, and then he hangs up and then in, and then like an angry all caps email shows up and the eagles guy just types in yes and sends it back <laughs> and then forwards it to the nfl and is like yep that was easy yeah that was a trade that was a thing <laughs> the 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 like, if you're going to do that, at least get some fucking value. You know what I'm thinking? Yo, he's on the second year of his rookie contract. Right. Like, it's not even a financial burden to have that guy. Like, he's on the second year no. of his rookie contract. He's not worth squat as far as money goes. But he's no. one of the best running backs in the league. The Eagles could legit, like, beat the brakes off of Ajayi for the next couple of years, use up all of his superpowers, and then just, like, nah, we don't want to sign him after this yeah fuck it like you you the, it's it was a no risk situation for them it's like yeah we'll give up a fourth round pick whatever it's probably gonna end up being a practice squad player anyways we'll give up your fourth round we'll give up our potential practice squad player for your definite pro bowler from last year right our, our basic fifth rounder right like, because if you may if you make it to that championship game picking 31st in the fourth round then you're not necessarily getting as much value most of the sure, time. Sure, yeah, you're pretty, you're you're digging at the bottom of the barrel. But JJ, unless you're a, picking up, unless you're picking up Matt Milano, but we'll talk about him later. Yeah, he was a Pro Bowler, dude. Like he was potential, you know, offensive rookie of the year last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and fourth round, like, ugh, you know, two, so two hundred yards rushing in three games. Granted, two of them were against Buffalo and a Rex Ryan defense. So, yeah. But he was consistently over a hundred every other game. Like, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Um, he was. It was. He, he had an unreal break breakaway season last year. And you know what I think? I think that off that lineman coach that was snorting all that stuff was rubbing off on the rest of the coaching staff in front office because now they must be doing drugs because that's the only way I can figure out how this trade would make sense to anybody. Yeah, unless Ajahi is actually some absolute poison pill. Which it seems sort of impossible because eventually you just get relegated to again like a third string or something, and people ignore you. Yeah, you don't get you don't that that and one of the first things that happened was Carson Wentz was like, yeah, well, you know, if he's a problem, we've got you know we've got plenty of leadership here, yeah, and that's not going to be a problem for very long. Sure, and and in reality, the Eagles can spend pretty much spend the rest of the season not using them you know they have plenty of running backs back there so if if it's one of those things where hey if he is an issue you best be assured that they ain't gonna trade him away they're gonna bench his ass yeah and they're gonna they're gonna just you know eat up that value because it's fucking pennies to them and then try to turn his attitude and then make him a productive member of the team which is what the Dolphins should have been doing anyways right well it seems like the Dolphins are taking a real bad turn as far as their front office and kind of just everything goes but those were kind of the major moves to happen uh at this trade deadline yeah and now we've talked about that for 45 minutes at least so let's talk about some games sure let's talk about some games games um 
Uh, you you go first, and I totally understand if at this point in the season you're like, just listen to the other podcasts. Uh, no, I actually have some good things to say about this one. It, okay, it, it, I had a I had a couple good things. At least for the first half of the game, the Browns are uh, were negative eleven in turnover ratio going into the game. Now they're negative twelve, and they're not negative twenty now, so that's a good thing. Hell yeah! Yep. Sean Kaiser went an entire game without throwing an interception. Hooray. He also Woo. he also threw over 50%. Hooray. He also averaged Woo. more than five yards of throw. Hooray. Woo. Um, Did he actually throw over 50%? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was 18 for 34. Right, just barely. Just barely. Just barely. Isaiah Crowell looked wonderful for the first half, and then they stopped using him in the second half when we got far behind because Cleveland doesn't know how to play two halves of football. Boo. Yeah, I guess a hooray wouldn't have been appropriate. I kind of went positive and negative on that one. Uh, anyways, yeah. uh, Cleveland was leading at the half. Uh, yes, that was that's in my notes. Yep. Cleveland led by an entire point. Which is an entire point more than any other game in the entire season because that was the only halftime lead we've ever had. The negative side of that is we were only able to score once in the second half and only found and didn't find the end zone for that single score. So that was fun. You, you guys got on the board first. Did get on the board first. I got on the board first after a pretty nasty interception. That was, that was nice. If there's one thing I like about Carl Nassib is Carl Nassib, he's not the world's greatest pass rusher. He's a solid pass rusher. He's currently filling in, or he filled in for Miles Garrett, who is out on concussion again. He has great awareness of when the quarterback is going to make an attempt to throw the ball. Like He had like fucking like five deflections last season. Like The dude is crazy with the ninja deflections off the line. So he tips one's tips tips one up, and then our linebacker comes down with it and puts it in scoring distance. On the next play, Isaiah Crowell runs it in for a touchdown, and that was probably the most excited and I've been about Cleveland football in a while because. And then they missed the extra point. And then they missed the extra point because Zane Gonzalez is fucking trash. This is why you don't waste draft picks on kickers. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was yes. he was fifty percent for field goals and fifty percent for extra points, like. Get out of my face with that shit. Those are bad. Yeah, those aren't those are not real. Those aren't money making numbers. Right. Saw some good things out of the defense in the fr- in the first half of everything kind of fell apart in the second half. Typical Cleveland stuff. Uh, pretty much from halftime on, it would be one of those things where please refer to the last seven podcasts. The thing that I will say is I feel like a lot of times when we talk about our games, we neglect to talk about the other side, which has been bad. Um, but anyways. Uh, this, this Adam Thielen kid is pretty good. Apparently. Yeah, dude. He had a good game. Um, the Browns. He's he's, he's number two in the NFL in receiving yards so far. Yep. Only behind Antonio Brown, who has like a stupid amount more yards than the next person. Yeah. Not a stupid amount more yards and receptions. It's like, that's literally the only person Ben Roethlisberger's throwing to. It's like five through two on the list are like high 500s, low 600s. And then Antonio Brown's like 825 or something like that. And it's like, what? Like, dude, what? Yeah, he's on pace for like a 16, 1700-yard season. Yeah, that's dumb. The last person to do that was Megatron and Josh Gordon, who led the, who led the league in receiving yards with 1,643 in 2013. All right, so we'll jump into Buffalo versus Oakland. Sure. Um, Marshawn Lynch suspended for the game. Yep. Uh, Beast Mode does not get his Buffalo homecoming this year. Nope. Uh, so he did not play. That's sad. Uh, 
Buffalo won this game 34 to 14. Uh, surprised me. Uh, I thought we had a shot. I thought we had a shot relatively early when, or relatively early in the season when Oakland was not necessarily showing up to games. Well, I mean, uh, o- let's be honest. Since Derek Carr's gotten back, they've only really shown up to one game, and that was when they beat yeah. Kansas. Yeah, Buffalo wins that game. Talk about uh, leaning on your ground game. Tyrod wins on 20 for 27 passing for 165 yards. Mm-hmm. So good percentage, not a lot of yards, got a touchdown out of it. Um, LaShawn McCoy, though, finally like really busted out. 151 on 27 carries and he had that one at the end that was basically in garbage time. But if you're a fantasy owner, you don't really care. Nope. The other thing that I will say is that Zay Jones got 50% of his catches on the year this game. Yep. He went three for five for 32 yards. Not a lot of yards. Not a huge number of catches. But holy crap, he, he caught more than two and above 50%. So Hooray. We're turning some corners. You know, I'll, I'll, t- I'll take the baby steps before we put him into the slot for the rest of the season. <laughs> Please put him in the slot. So anyways, other highlights from the game. Oakland got held to 54 yards rushing. That's not a lot. Nope. Not that they've been putting up huge numbers this year. I don't I don't know that the number of times they've broken even 100 yards is more than three. It's definitely a low number. And that 50 yards was, like, not only was the entire team shut down and rushing, that, that 50 yards was by committee. Their individual rushers, there was no dramatic like difference in production between the two backs that they were featuring. Yeah, no. 26 yards, 20, 21 yards, and then a couple of what looked like end-arounds, basically. Yeah. Buffalo got two picks on Derek Carr, so that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Micah Hyde got his fifth of the season, which either now has him back to leading the NFL or tied for the lead. Right. Oakland had four turnovers to the Bills' zero, so the Bills came into that game like plus nine or 10. So they left like plus 13 or 14 for the season, which I think has them still in. I think we're first in differential, but second in total turnovers forced. Right. But you know, considering we've only got three turnovers on the season, that's pretty good. No, absolutely. One of the big parts of the game is your start. Like, I feel like we're starting to see, or I'm starting to see, I don't know who the hell watches these games. Me. I'm starting to see a lot more of players just, absolutely giving every effort on every single play, even if the last one didn't necessarily go their way. Sure. Play in, play out, they they give this extra effort. So Preston Brown ends up like getting his hand up on a ball, tipping it, and one of the passes goes for an interception. Following play, does the same thing, gets his hand on a, on a ball in the passing lane, and tips it just enough for Matt Milano to get his hands on it for an interception. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing some of these guys step up. And Matt Milano's an exceptional case because he's playing for Ramon Humber, who's still been injured with his thumb, who, again, when he got injured, was the Bills' leading tackler. Right. So Matt Milano's come in and been insane. He got a he got an interception last game. He got an interception this game. He forced a fumble and got a different fumble that he ran back for a touchdown. The Bills are making things happen with the pieces that they have. And I heard one commentator on some sports program, I can't speak to if it was NFL Network or ESPN or whatever, um, but it was like, yeah, the Bills are winning with this group of, like, who are these guys? And I, it's it's not entirely like who are these guys like we have LaShawn McCoy we have Tyrod Taylor, who at this point year after year people are like, yeah he's underrated he's underrated like nobody gives him enough credit and now we're like finally maybe turning that corner possibly right but you know we've got we've got LaShawn we've got Tyrod we've got Jordan Matthews like we had Marcel Darius we have Kyle Williams like 
the whole team isn't necessarily nobodies, but I would more easily compare us to like the Celtics of the last couple of years where it's like a lot of role players or people that you wouldn't necessarily think of as starters on other team, but everybody's kind of come together to make this thing work. Uh, the other thing that's interesting to see is there was one play uh, in the third quarter where Brandon Tate picked up a first down on a second and 20 and basically the entire bench got up and like celebrated with him. <laughs> and it's like, it's early in the third quarter. And that was like a second and 20. That wasn't a touchdown. That was just a first down on a long thing. And it's funny because a lot of people on the team have talked about it. And even McDermott was like, yeah, I had never seen an entire team like get up and celebrate that organically, like special teams, defense, offensive players, like people in ponchos who were wearing street clothes, like everybody got up and was like, (laughs) yes, this, you did it. This is happening. We are making this thing. And it's cool because the other thing that like reporters and stuff are talking about now is like one, the protect our dirt thing, which is basically the protect our home turf. But apparently Sean McDermott went out and collected dirt from the field (laughs) and put it in every one of the players lockers. And is like, this is, this is what you're here for. Like it's the most under armor commercial shit I've ever heard in my entire (laughs) life, but the bills are four and oh at home. So it's working, working, I guess. The other thing that's interesting is apparently a lot of the like conversations and stuff is not like, okay, you're the first string wide receiver, you're the second string wide receiver, you're yada yada, whatever. It's if you're on the team, you're a defensive back or a wide receiver or a running back. Right. There's there's none of this like hierarchy of well, you're before him who's before him right. or any of that kind of stuff. Well, that- they try and make it a very equal playing field yeah and that's and that's that's important for you to maintain a next man up mentality you know it's right it's it's not it's not that you are second string it's just you are afforded playing time you know sure i mean everyone plays everyone plays a role we were still winning games with Jordan Matthews hurt and LaShawn McCoy not getting any rushing yards so next man up the 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 other thing is that they talk about how it's not how it's not basically three teams it's one team and they play different parts of the game whereas some of the i think it was jordan matthews specifically was like yeah you know with with some situations it's like okay there's the offensive team and then the defensive team and then the special teams team and it's like three teams coming together to try and win one game whereas the community in the locker room at this point is like no we're all doing this together yeah it's defense offense and the weird guys (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. Those guys with the one fat leg. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of – I mean, every team every team where they're really serious about a serious push or, like, if they're one of those cusp teams like the Bills have been for so long, sometimes a culture change is really all you need because, like you said, yeah, there are excellent, talented players on the Bills, but the team as a whole is not an exceptionally talented team. But they have grit. And there's a culture, there's a winning culture in Buffalo right now. And sometimes mm-hmm. that's all it takes. The, the Bills could use a little help, but, you know, I think they're, I think that might make it. Oh, sure. Well, that's, that's why I said they're not the most talented team on the planet. I will say something at this point that I don't think I've ever said in conversation as a Bills fan. 
and I don't mean on this show. Just in general? Just in general with actual seriousness. I think the Bills might make the playoffs this year. You think? I, I You know? I, I, I'm right there with you. Hey, remember the first episode of this podcast when I said the Bills could very potentially make the playoffs this year? Yeah, remember the very first episode of this podcast where I said the Bills are going 4-12? and 12? Yep, you're already wrong, and I am much more right than you once again. I, yeah, well, we'll see how this finishes out. We still have every possibility to lose everything from here on out, but I'm still hoping that the Madden curse strikes and, you know, New England is totally out of quarterbacks. I was going to say, if, because... New, if New England loses out and then, like, Tom Brady, like, breaks a hip because he's old. I'm just saying, like, we got a couple games for Tom Brady to get hurt and Brian Hoyer to be the starter before the Bills have to play him. Yeah. Hey, Brian Hoyer's not I got, terrible. I got until December still. I got time to wait. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's talk about some more games. Maybe we'll fire through these a little quick. Maybe we won't. Sure. We'll see how well, this goes. Depends on how interested I am. Yeah, I mean, so, some of these games were, like, legitimately interesting. A couple of them, you know, either came right down to the wire or came to, you know, a field goal or less. So sure. those are those are always good to check out. One that definitely didn't come down to a field goal or less uh, involves one of our trading partners from earlier, the Ravens and the Dolphins. Yeah. Um, Baltimore, uh, I, uh, I think the – let's see if I can find it. I think the technical term for this is a shit-kicking – yeah, no, Miami totally got the shit kicked out of them. Like, and Baltimore's offense didn't have to do a fucking thing. They, no, they sh- no, they sure as yeah, hell didn't. They they did do things, but it wasn't a lot of things. God, dude, th- that was pretty much Baltimore cementing themselves as we have a premier defense in the, in the AFC. And just yeah. because we've lost a few games doesn't mean shit. That's the offense's fault. <laughs> Like what? Like okay, what is up with the Ravens this year? Where it's like every week, it's like, oh, they're awesome. Oh, look, they're terrible. Oh, they're great again. Oh, well, they can't do it. like they're the least consistent team I think so far this season. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with you there. Um, I would say I would say between them and Jacksonville. Yeah, but at least Jacksonville can be like blaming shit on injuries and not just weird flukes where you lose to Jacksonville 44 to seven. Right. There's some good things going on in this game. Baltimore. How many defensive touchdowns did Baltimore score? Was it uh, four? I think it was See, cause four. Because I, I, cause I scroll down and this, this Disney-owned website wants to tell me five, but I only count two. But it definitely watching the highlights looked like more than two. Yeah, I think. But I kind of, I kind of also lost track after a certain point. Well, we can do some, we can do some basic math to determine it. You know, they only scored two offensive touchdowns, so you know. I do a bunch of counting at work. I don't want to do this. I got you, bro. I'm, I'm out. Uh, it was. It looks like it was. It was at it least like it was three. Probably four. It yeah. was at least three. Yeah, like that. That was a ridiculous defensive showing by the Ravens nobody nobody on Miami side you know it was it was one of those things where everything for Baltimore was ticking on defense offense not so much not a lot of that was completely Baltimore's fault considering Joe Flacco was taken out of the game because Kiko Alonso obviously doesn't understand how to hit a quarterback so yeah I don't I don't know what's up with that we were talking about it like 
the day after it happened because yeah, I think you I think you messaged me right when it was happening and I was like I'm tired it's Thursday mm-hmm. I have to I have to work tomorrow still yeah um, so you sent me a message and I saw it at the time and I was like mm, that's bad mm-hmm. my and then I fully explained it to you I was like okay so here's the problem that I have with this is one Kiko should have done something to at least try to pull off. He obviously didn't do that. He nailed Flacco. Flacco was in the motion of sliding and, you know, therefore is giving himself up. The problems that I have are mainly, basically you pointed out, like, Flacco is the worst slider in the league. Pretty much. According to you. And I think I it was like a third and eight play, and I think it's bullshit when quarterbacks go out and are like, I'm going to run, I'm going to run, I'm going to go for the first down. And then it's like, oh, sliding is going to be the thing that protects them. But they're not sliding like they normally would, where it's like, oh, I got out and it was a third and one. So I ran four yards and then slid another three because I just gave myself up immediately. It's like, no, this dude's going for the first down. And then on top of that, using this as a defensive mechanism sure. to to protect himself. And again, I'm not saying using it as a method to protect himself is bad. But when you start your slide and your head is still at like waist level or higher and the defender takes one step... Granted, again, Kiko was still aiming low, but his job is to also stop Joe Flacco from making it across that line. And until basically that exact, well, until slightly before that moment happens, he's got no way of knowing if Joe's suddenly going to stick his head out, which would also be stupid, but not unheard of by quarterbacks. Again, at that point, you're established as a runner. You just have the, like, at this point, all running backs should just start sliding. Yeah, like, fuck fighting for yardage. Because you're going to slide, and then you're going to get hit, and then you're going to get an unnecessary roughness penalty, and you're going to get 15 extra yards anyways. So you don't even right. need any, power backs. You just need shifty guys that are tiny that can slide under defenders. Any Anytime you bounce it to the outside, just, you know, take your couple of steps, and, you know, and instead of, you know, stepping out of bounds or whatever, just, you know act like you're going to keep going and then start sliding. And then, you know, even if you get it a third or a quarter of the time, you're talking about, you know, averaging an extra four yards. So, and that's if you don't get the penalty. Yeah. And an automatic first down. So, and that's, yeah. And I see all that and I do, and I, and I'm, trust me, I'm not trying to take all the blame off of Joe Flacco because he is a terrible slider. And it's a bad hit. It's a real bad hit. Kiko shouldn't, Kiko shouldn't have done that. He should have, known something better or tried to at least you know aim higher but it seemed like as soon as Flacco was going down he was just going to aim for that one spot anyways yeah and just say fuck it yeah and just say fuck it so he didn't he didn't do anything to try and pull off of it so right. I'm not trying to say that you know it was cool sure yeah yeah and I get that and like I said I'm not trying to take all the blame off of Flacco because when Flacco slides he has a tendency to keep his upper body relatively high and he like just Flacco doesn't know how to slide, man. Like last year, last year there was an entire come on man reel from Randy Moss of just Flacco sliding last season. Defensive players are trained when hitting a quarterback that has established themselves as a runner that isn't traditionally like, you know, like a rushing quarterback. They're trained to aim high, so if they dip down in the slide at the last minute, your trajectory carries you over the player. You know, Kiko aimed low, and that was obviously where he was going to aim, regardless of whether or not Flacco slid or not, and he cracked him hard as fuck. Knocked him damn near unconscious, if not unconscious. I mean, I think he was unconscious because his arms were stuck in that I just got knocked the fucked out position. 
and the very, the classic one that ever the universal sign for oh shit right and when they took his helmet off it looked like he got hit by a fucking freight train what what kills me about that hit he looked like Krispy Kreme with a hot light on yeah pretty much that, that them eyes was glazed them eyes was glazed what kills me is uh, Kiko's not going to see any repercussion from this uh, he might get a fine source yeah i mean he's probably gonna get a fine uh he's not gonna get suspended you know this and it's so unlike kiko and that's part of the issue i had with it is he's a he's a heads up fucking defensive uh, defensive player he's a yeah, he's, he, he's a smart he, defensive player he's smart he gets a bunch of tackles yep. like that's kind of what he does right. he doesn't do this dumb shit right he knows better you know and I was more upset with the fact that it was Kiko. If it was somebody like Vontez, I would expect it. Like, the dude, the motherfucker only knows how to hit people, and that's hard and mean, you know? Right, and and that's exactly what I said to you, was I was like, wow, that Kiko did that, huh? That seems wildly out of character. Yeah, and that, that when I saw the hit, it was, I, I had to double take, because A, Kiko cut his hair. And right, but B, you know, that's not something I expect to see from Kiko Alonso. So when I turn back and I see like, you know, he has his helmet off and he's yelling at one of the uh, Ravens players that came and bum rushed him. And it says Alonso on the back of his jersey. I was like, what, Kiko, what have you done? And then he starts yeah. getting in Harbaugh's face while Harbaugh's fucking shouting at him. And I was like, oh, Lord, somebody going to die. <laughs> yeah, that was all bad. But some other takeaways of the game is, you know, the Miami Dolphins are pretty much lost without Tannehill or Cutler. Apparently, the takeaway from the Miami from the Miami Dolphins is AJ Jai. He is shit. Thirteen carries for twenty three yards. Like, who would trade for him? Yeah, like, and you wouldn't get any value for that guy whatsoever. No, I'm I'm thinking like, I'm thinking like maybe a fifth rounder. Yeah, maybe fifth compensatory, sixth at the most. Yeah, you know, like a Darius trade. Right couple more things i mean joe flacco still went 10 for 15 for 101 ryan mallet went three for seven for 20 both of them got a touchdown collins for baltimore their running back had 113 yards on 18 carries baltimore ran for a combined 174 so yeah it it was mostly just a game where baltimore kicked the ever-loving shit out of miami and that was kind of how that went and then the dolphins coach got angry and now jay jahi is uh no longer a dolphin on his so. way to an NFC championship. <laughs> yeah, pretty, very likely. Yep. At least, at uh, least make it to the game. Yeah. Okay. Next up, got Colts and the Bengals. So Jacoby Brissett, uh, he didn't, he didn't look terrible. No, I mean Jacoby Brissett again was able to produce. He just had, you know, bad plays at bad times. The Colts were still totally in this game. Oh, totally. Like from what I was watching, it looked like they had two possessions in the last two minutes mm-hmm. no they could easily come back and win that game weird stats from this game um jack doyle who's apparently a tight end for indianapolis mm-hmm. who's not a guy i had ever heard of before yeah 12 for 14 for 121 yards and a touchdown yep if you secretly had him on your fantasy team somewhere then that paid off for you yeah. unless you unless he was like your bi-week tight end and you had him benched I'm pretty sure he made a pretty impressive sideline catch, too. It was thrown relatively tight to the sideline, and he was covered pretty tightly. And he reaches out the downfield arm and tips the pass towards him and then has to tip it again and then grabs it and tiptoes into the sideline. So it's like, when did you, like, did he train in with the receivers? I'm going to say that considering he has 12 receptions and there were 25 total completions, it was probably him. Yeah, he was, I mean, he was definitely the go-to. 
And his targets, like his targets, the receptions looked good. His hands were sticky that day. Yeah, 12, 12 for 14 targets is uh, is real, real, real good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but less good are the weird ones of, like, A.J. Green, who went 3 for 8 for 27 yards and a touchdown, and T.Y. Hilton, who went 2 for 7 for 15 yards and no touchdowns. Yeah, weird weird games for – or weird, weird stat lines for the receiver core on either side. Joe Mixon being the most productive receiver. Once again, why are – running backs being the receivers for these teams, but I guess it happens. I mean, Carolina's number one receiver is their running back, so. Yeah. But that was pretty much the exact opposite of the game, Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon still managing to almost get 100 yards from scrimmage, but literally almost none of them from the running game. 91 receiving and 18 rushing uh, does not a great running game make. Nope. Averaging 1.6 yards a carry. That's that's bad. Yeah, that's real bad. Like what? That's just bad. Yeah. I wonder when uh, Cincinnati is gonna ditch. Um, well, I guess they can't now. Trade deadline's over, but getting getting rid of Jeremy Hill and uh, either Jeremy Hill or Gio Bernard to clear up some cap space because they're obviously trying to feature Joe Mixon. But yeah, I mean, they could still cut him, but again, that's you're gonna take some dead money hits at that point. Yeah, you're gonna eat. You're gonna at least, at least eat their cap for the day or for the year. Yeah, but besides those statistical anomalies, this game was pretty much a a standard outing. The Bengals ended up losing a punt late in the game that gave uh, Indianapolis great field position. This was still in the fourth. The Colts could have come away with a touchdown because I think it was like just outside of their red zone to start off with. They ended up only coming away with a field goal. Yeah. Uh, and also in that quarter, uh, a pick six is what actually put – Cincinnati back in the lead you know some some defensive plays stopped were set late but that interception actually came earlier than that to put Cincinnati ahead yeah which is you know that's that's a that's a real uh ass buster to turn around throw a pick six give up the lead and then just get stymied yeah that was I mean Indianapolis were in the game until the end and they had ever every opportunity to win it so you can't you can't say much about that that pick. Obviously, that pick was brutal as far as the outcome of the game. That's one of the few times where you can actually say that a turnover pretty much decided the football game. But it wasn't the, it didn't seal their fate. They had opportunity to cl- to climb back in it, but right, just couldn't quite make it out of that hole. Couldn't quite make it out of the hole. They need to buy a bigger ladder. Okay, so coming up next, uh, the Chargers versus the Patriots. Yeah, a relatively mediocre win from the Patriots. Yeah, twenty one thirteen. Not exactly the uh, blowouts or shootouts or anything that we've seen from the Patriots, who have seemingly carried themselves on nothing but their offense so far this year. Yep. But when you're when you're playing a team as stagnant on offense as the Chargers, you can kind of uh, pump the brakes a little bit. On the offense, well, I, although I don't, I, I don't feel like that was their intention, but that's obviously what happened. I thought you couldn't say nothing bad about Philip Rivers. No, I thought that was the rule. No, I can't. I can't say anything bad about Philip Rivers. This wasn't Philip Rivers' fault. Okay, I can say something bad about Philip Rivers. Watch this. You want to see it? Yeah, go for it. How do you lose twenty yards on one sack? Look, man. Sometimes you just got to scrambles. There's a difference between your line missing a block and. Oops, he got sacked. 
and running backwards like an extra 15 yards. He was trying to escape the pressure. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it didn't work. He should try less next time. <laughs> or try better. Yeah, yeah, like either try less or do better. Yeah, it was kind of just a, another example of, uh, you know, the better team beating the worst team. In this situation, the Chargers just haven't been able to get their, their shit together, really. Um, Phillip Rivers was middling at best at quarterback, and Tom Brady was still, you know, very productive. You know, a, a single touchdown pass is not very productive, but 32 on 44 for 333 passing, not bad. Um, the, yeah. the one... The one true stud stat, I think, out of here, it comes from Melvin Gordon, who had 14 carries for 132 yards and a touchdown for the for the Chargers. Yeah, one of those, uh, well, once again, going back to uh, our... If what you seems, take this one thing Yeah, away. what seems to be our pastime at this point. If you take away that 87-yard 80, scamper, uh, his stats are substantially less impressive. But Yeah, because it was, it was like the first six or ten minutes of the game yeah but like and it was like the rams first actual possession right and he just broke outside and was gone yep but he pretty much did squat after that but you can't take away you can't can't take away somebody's ability to outrun an entire defense for 80 80 plus yards that sounds hard Lashawn mccoy got a garbage time touchdown they still didn't stop him nope uh, a couple other interesting things. Brady uh, proving that he's a good quarterback, which I have to, like, roll my eyes and keep them from, like, falling down the back of my throat every time I have to say that. Yeah, does he um, have to prove it at this point? Like, Yeah, four receivers in the game with 50 or more receiving yards, that's pretty incredible, Yeah, uh, in my opinion. That's definitely, you know, proving that you can still get the ball to multiple people, especially when... Neither of those people are like Danny Amendola or, or Brandon Cooks. But, you know, Gronkowski on the list, Hogan on the list, James White on the list, Rex Burkhead on the list. Uh, just a couple more notes on the Chargers versus the Pats. New England only put up six points in the second half, uh, which is seemingly a, a pretty low number for them. A couple field goals, not really a lot to write home about. But the game also contained one of the dumber punt returns I've ever seen, and Definitely the dumbest kick return I think I've seen this season where Travis Benjamin caught a punt and then ran backwards and then ran backwards and then got stuck in his end zone. And I believe it was called a safety. Yeah, that's not that's not a good look. That's pretty bad. Yeah, just a wee bit. So you shouldn't do that. Eventually, you eventually just slide and hopefully they'll hit you in the head. (laughs) Coming up next is the Bears versus the Saints, and you knew Mitch Trubisky couldn't keep it up that long. Well, he was barely keeping it up to begin with. This is, like, the first game since he's been a starter where he's thrown the ball more than, like, ten times. Come to find out, when you don't have any receivers, it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. Hooray! We got the Bears versus the Saints, and they let Mitch, you know, throw more passes than he has fingers on his hands. Right. Uh... And I'm not I'm not sure if that worked out for him. No, definitely not. I mean his numbers are his numbers are bad. Now, a lot of that can be attested to there were a lot of drops. Uh huh. You know, I mean Kendall Wright was two for eight. Yeah, that's I guarantee you not all of those were just 
were just bad throws. Mitch Trubisky yeah, is one of the more accurate passers in the league. As far as he was one of the more accurate passers coming out of this draft class would be a more accurate statement. But, sure. But, you know, so I, I find it very hard to believe that all of those missed targets were just bad balls. Trey McBride had a concise, consistent game stretching the field for him, which is which is something they need. You know, he has four receptions for – or three receptions for 90-something yards, 92 yards, and – None of those were on like huge chunk plays. Like the longest reception he had was 45 yards, which is a big play, but it wasn't like it wasn't like he got 70 of those 90 yards on like a crazy long touchdown. Right. Even at that point, you're getting 45, 44, and two. Yeah. So, so consistent, consistent target stretch in the field. I still, I'm still under the, I'm still under the, under the school of thought and maybe it's just you know i'm i'm a little jaded because i like mitch trubisky he used to play for unc but he it's hard it's especially hard as a rookie to perform at a level expected at the pro level when you just don't have any help around yeah drew Brees still still great you know no touchdowns but with numbers like 23 for 28 and 299 passing yards and you know Similar situation with the Patriots game where he had one, two, three, four receivers that were 40-plus yards receiving. Spread the ball around. Running game took care of their business. Mark Ingram still a very consistent person in the backfield for them. It was just a good, consistent showing from the Saints where the Bears just couldn't get anything going. I guess the one thing that was like noteworthy in the game itself, other than just analyzing it over the top, is uh, there was a very questionable um, touchdown pass called back. Uh, for the Bears that I think would have oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. at least made the game close at the time, and I think it was in, like, the third quarter. Sure. And it was one of those, like, I, I don't see how that's not a completed pass. That That's just for any Bears fans that happen to actually be listening to this, is I saw it. Yeah, we got your I, back, I didn't dog. Like, I, I didn't like the call either. I think <laughs> it was a bad one. Let's move on to the Falcons versus the Jets. Holy shit, the Falcons beat somebody in the AFC East. I was going to say, the Falcons, they don't get swept by the AFC East, and, and yet the only team that they managed to beat is <laughs> the, worst the team, team that the was... <laughs> yeah, the team that we started off saying this season is the worst team in the league. Yep. So. In very unconvincing fashion, too. Yeah, like, the Jets still had a chance to win that. Yep, and Josh McCown was dotting up that defense. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I don't have a huge amount to say about this. The Falcons are finally pulling out of their nosedive, and the Jets are starting theirs i don't know they're both things that fly so <laughs> i mean the the jets i wouldn't say the jets weren't in a nosedive to begin with you know that yeah. they were already losing out on the season so far but the jets have definitely proved that they are not nearly as bad as everyone thought they would be no i mean they're you know i would say the jets at this point are falling into the category of the trap team yep where you'll lose to you them know, if you get too comfortable yeah, if you show up, don't plan against them. I mean, it could very well happen to the Bills because they play this Thursday, which is totally two days from now and not tomorrow. Because it's um, Tuesday. Because it's Tuesday, November the 1st. Uh, so, you know, for, for all I know, the Bills turn around and end up 5-3, and three, and the Jets are suddenly, you know, 4-5, and five, and then, you know, we suck again, and the Bills start their slow but you know, very well paced at this point decline um, <laughs> back below 500. Yeah, and then you uh, won't be completely wrong. 
Yeah, but again, I you know I think the Bills probably make the playoffs. I think the Bills probably win this game, but we'll see because it's in New Jersey. So as far as this game goes, it was your pretty standard affair. Both both teams were passing the ball relatively well. Matt Ryan was getting more chunk yards out of his out of his receptions. The Falcons did have a late punt that mm-hmm. got muffed uh, by the Jets. Yeah, which set them up in range. Like, A, flipped possession back so the Falcons were able to burn more time off the clock, but then B, also put them basically immediately in field goal range, which then forced the Jets to, well, which would have forced the Jets to score a touchdown had they been able to. Right. Um, so that, I mean, that's a that's a really big deal when it goes from, okay, we're going to get the ball back and drive and all we need is a field goal to win, not even tie, sure. to now we need a touchdown and there's less time. Absolutely. On top of that, it's another game that ended with a 10-second runoff. Uh, uh, last, t- yeah. last time we saw this was against Detroit in, yep. I think, week two? Yeah, week three? it was relatively early. Where, you know, so, it was a good call. Right, it it's was the, the correct rule. call. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one was an offensive uh, penalty mm-hmm. that also incurred a 10-second runoff, which ended the game, which is... like arguably an even less savory way to end it. It's not even like you were out of timeouts and you just didn't time it right. It was like, Oh, well we had eight seconds on the clock and it was stopped, but this guy flinched. So yeah, other than that, you know, seems like another game where the team that was supposed to win actually did for once, which transitions us nicely into the easiest game to call for the entire season, San Francisco versus Philadelphia, Philadelphia wins, Big fucking shock. Brian Hoyer's not even on this team yet. Jimmy Garoppolo, or anymore. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's not on it yet. Carson Wentz is the new Tom Brady. Uh, I, I don't buy that. I if think... you think 112 rushing yards is good now, wait until Ajahi gets there when oh, they put up yeah. 4,800 4, in a single game. They're, they're going to have to build an extra stadium next to the stadium so that he can run, you know, plays while he's not running plays. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm the the Eagles are good. Yeah, but biggest, it's like it's the third team that they've beaten at this point that hasn't had any wins when they played. So yeah, it, I'm still of two minds. Not only that, yeah, not only that, but this game was substantially. This game kind of harkened back to the original uh, thought processes we had with the Eagles. Is that man? Their defense does so much for that fucking team. Mm-hmm. And which is not necessarily a bad thing, but people are talking up Carson Wentz. People are talking up Carson Wentz like MVP candidate. And he's had a game where he's really showed me something. But most games, he just has to exist and not turn the ball over, make some decent plays downfield, and then the defense will take care of the rest. That's why I was so happy about last week. This week kind of falls back into that category. Okay, but were you playing an actual football team and do you have to really do much when your defense gets, what was it? Three, four turnovers and scores off of two of them. Like, right. You know, you get, you get, or you get one defensive touchdown and then you get the, all these short field, all these short field turnovers. And we're back. We're pretty much back to square one where it's just like, all right, but I really need the Eagles to play somebody. You know? I bet if you ask Carson Wentz at this point if he was an MVP candidate, he might look at you and just be like, bitch, I might be. <laughs> you like that? I don't know. Do you like that? No. I, I just, yeah, I don't Tell know. I don't joke. have much to, 
I don't have much to say about this. Uh, I mean, dude, the, the team the, the that new, was going to win one. That's... Yeah, the new the new San Francisco quarterback didn't really do shit. Their rushing game didn't really do shit. Their quarterback was their leading rusher. Right. Their number one running back got 25 yards. Sure. Like, their receiving was uh, abysmal, let's say. Yeah. Um, and... I mean, you know, it's, Car- it's, Carson Carson Wentz did enough. It's the 49ers. Like, there's not much to say about it. <laughs> Nick Nick Foles had two carries for negative two yards. I don't know what Nick Foles is even doing on the field right now. <laughs> I had to click on his name just to make sure, like, there wasn't just some kicker or some punter whose name was also Nick Foles that now <laughs> played for the Eagles who, like, thought it'd be cute to, like, run a punt a couple of times. Right. But, nope. Still that same guy, and he, I don't know if he's, he's still getting paid a bunch of money right now, isn't he? Who, Nick Foles? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So, like, what's he care? Yeah, fuck it. Like, yeah, I'll be on a 7-1 team as a quarterback and get paid more than this rookie that's actually doing everything. I mean, yeah, if we think about it that way, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is a two-time Super Bowl champion. I mean, he is, technically. Right, I mean, that's what I'm saying, like. Of course, yeah. they're going to be perfectly fine sitting back and going, "Yeah, sure, why not?" Yeah, uh-huh. Jimmy Garoppolo, sure. Jimmy G got two fucking rings, bro. I, I got, I got my rings. Yep. That's basically all we got to say about that. Uh, the next game: Panthers versus Bucks, the NFC South yep. uh, matchup, uh, du jour of the week. The well, Panthers win I, in uh, in Kelvin Benjamin's last game in Carolina. And I thought it was certainly going to be a better game than we got, but Jameis Winston would, could not figure out how to not throw it to the defense. Yeah, when you're throwing when you're throwing borderline fifty percent with two interceptions, no touchdowns, and just over two hundred yards passing, that's not a lot. To, yeah, not a lot to talk about. To be fair, I still don't know how Carolina's winning. Again, another one of these situations. If you're if you're running back is your top wide receiver and your quarterback is your top running back. What is your team doing? <laughs> they're uh I mean, I guess technically they're playing. I mean, they're playing football, I guess. I mean, they're they're, they're 5 s- and 3 and they're 4 and 1 on the road, which is incredible. It also yep. means don't pay for home game tickets. Right. But yeah, the uh, Panthers are kind of in this weird area right now where they're having kind of an identity crisis. They can't decide whether or not they want Cam Newton to be more of a protected pocket passer or if they want him to slam home. But the only time they seem to be winning football games is when they just let him run the damn ball. And Christian McCaffrey is really showing to be a pretty inefficient rusher, but God, man, he is a threat out of that backfield. I was gonna say squirrely on the other things. Oh, absolutely. But then, at that, but then at that point, if you're just the out of the backfield guy, you quickly become Tavon Austin, mm-hmm. just and so. people and people are like, okay, Tavon Austin is here. They're gonna run an end around, right? But they're still lining them up and handing them the ball. But right. Pretty much. It seems like they should. It seems like they should stop doing that yeah. at this point. Like, just make them a slot receiver. Fuck it. Other people have made. Perfectly sound transitions. Just, I mean, he's already doing it. He's just lining up off the line of scrimmage. Not, not a lot. Not a lot to say about this one. Carolina continues to uh, win enough games to definitely threaten. Uh, I guess at this point they're they're in a fight against the Saints to see who actually comes out of the NFC South. Uh, so going from like two kind of milk toast like 
mashed potatoes with no butter or pepper or anything and like just some some white rice ass games uh let's talk about the texans and the seahawks and now that's some damn football boy that's a that's a spicy one right there that's a hot wing did you know that this is russell wilson's first 400 plus yard game in the nfl so he shares he shares his first over 400 plus yard game with a rookie who threw for over 400 yards it was the quarterback shootout that we all love to see in today's NFLs. They I were was gonna dropping say this... bombs all over the place. There were dramatic interceptions and position changes and crazy ass end zone touchdowns and This man, is like this is some some twenty twelve like Pat Saint shit right here. Right. Like and man does Deshaun Watson look good right now. Uh yeah. I mean I was looking at both of these and, and you know, uh, Russell Wilson not super efficient on his passing, Deshaun Watson slightly more so. But when you think about the fact that on 26 completions, Wilson threw for 452 yards, and on 19 completions, Deshaun Watson threw for 402. Mm-hmm. Like, that's insane. Yeah, that's... DeAndre Hopkins, both, both teams had two 100-yard wide receivers both teams had a wide receiver that caught two touchdowns Mm -hmm. deandre hopkins went for 224 yards on eight receptions like houston even had 142 rushing yards most of them were from deshaun watson but right man's a scrambling fool (laughs) but like yeah it was it's it's crazy it's games like this that really remind me why i love watching premier football players like you know Russell Wilson's one of those guys where I mean like we've previously alluded to he's not a huge numbers guy but he's an efficient passer that's mobile and plays behind his defense and but when he needs to he can turn it on man and this this rookie you know Deshaun Watson coming out coming out swinging at a at a you know Super Bowl winning offense and a Super Bowl winning defense and he's lighting them up and they don't have any answer for him. It was so bad that at the end of the game, Richard Sherman said, you know, this this Seattle defense has played the best of the best. And this was probably the most difficult quarterback they've ever had to defend. Yeah. And this is his sixth game in the NFL as a starter, fifth or sixth game in the NFL as a starter. That's definitely a, it's definitely a compliment. Oh, absolutely. From one of the best cornerbacks to ever play the game. You know, Russell Wilson pretty much told him, like, dude, you keep doing what you're doing and you're going to fucking kill it. You know, this – it you still got to tidy some things up. Still a rookie. You know, holds on to the ball a little long. He got, he got sacked a, a fair amount of times. Uh, three picks, you know – can't hurt him for those three picks he was trying to keep up in a shootout with one of the best quarterbacks in the league you know some of the some of those balls are going to get a little errant deshaun watson threw for like a quarter of his yards so far this season in this game in the single game yeah and uh and i'm sorry not to get too far ahead but really this just makes me excited for uh texans rams in two weeks no totally yeah it's these Texans Texans have slowly been ramping up to this game where we saw flashes of that shootout potential with them. You know, they have good receivers on their end, you know, picking up Will Fuller, having DeAndre Hopkins. 
They they their running game. Lamar Miller is a solid back. They can move the ball and they can move the ball well. And that defense is still still a solid defense. It was a it was a culmination of pretty much what they've been trying to build around Deshaun Watson for this game. And the moment they put him up against Russell Wilson and they started going at each other's throats, you could really see how high the ceiling can be for this quarterback. Yeah, and I keep bringing up how. I don't think Philly is as good as their record is. I don't think the Texans are as bad as their record is. If you look at their schedule, the games that they lost, they lost opening day against the Jaguars, which is weird and is one of those flute games, but the Jags always have at least one of those. Sure. Also, it was literally Deshaun Watson's first game. So, you know, what are you going to do? Their second loss against the Patriots, uh, 36-33. It's pretty now, close. That was the first game where we got a flash of what Deshaun Watson can do because he got into a shootout with Tom Brady. Like, he threw right. for 300-plus yards that game for, like, two touchdowns or something. Yeah, lost to the Chiefs, uh, 42-34, and then this game. So two of the games that they lost were against, like, recent Super Bowl teams. Or, or like, the premier team in the AFC. Right, or now, or right now the premier team in the AFC, which they lost by a little bit more. But it's like three points to two Super Bowl contenders who went up against each other. Yep. And, you know, and then the team that was supposed to be the best out of the AFC this year, and, and the Jags again. Mm-hmm. And they've traded, you know, losses and wins back and forth this whole season. But, you know, I look at this team and they could be 6-1. and one. Oh, totally. Absolutely. And the other thing that really made this game difficult and something you got to understand is, you know, they were playing in Seattle. Seattle is a very, very hard place to play. I mean, there's a reason why Seattle is consistently ending seasons with like one loss at home or undefeated at home. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a very difficult stadium to play in. And, you know, it's it's one of those positions where you put if you take Deshaun Watson and somebody that has had limited exposure up to this point to this offense and now he's having to run this offense in this in this you know environment where you can barely hear the man in front of you let alone communicating to your wideouts and stuff when you're calling audibles or reading defenses and all that fun stuff a lot of it's it's just so impressive to me that you can still handle the offense at as a rookie that efficiently to where not only do you look good like you make the players around you look good like you made like DeAndre, that's the best we've seen DeAndre Hopkins be in a go- in a solid year. The whole the whole team was elevated on the back of Deshaun Watson, and that's something that the Texans have really been missing. You know, so that's it's I 100% agree with you. They're not nearly as bad as that record says. They're gonna they're gonna come back and make some moves in that division by the end of the season. I think they've definitely got a shot. Uh, so we've got a couple more games. Let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington Redskins and this NFC East fight um Ezekiel Elliott went for 150 yards and two touchdowns on 33 carries so not the most efficient night but hopefully he enjoyed it because he won't be back until the middle of December right hopefully that's the last we'll see of Ezekiel Elliott until almost the playoffs Dak Prescott looked uh like Mitch Trubisky yeah very game manager-esque yeah, very not even 150 yards and almost yeah. no passes. Hey, Zeke's doing all the work. Don't turn the ball over. Hi, Cap. Does Des Bryant has the stats of a high schooler? Yeah. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, at least for Washington receiving, uh, Jameson Crowder, nine receptions, 13 targets, 123 yards. Not uh, not bad for you know a loss. Nope, not T bag. 
this it's games like this minus you know minus the interception it's games like this that really remind me why you know Kirk Cousins can go to any other team and they want to argue about making him a franchise quarterback it amazes me <laughs> well i mean you got you got Tyrod you don't need Kirk Cousins but it it amazes me that Washington is so taking such a hard stance and not and not i mean they're already paying him a bajillion fucking dollars because they keep franchise tagging him so it's I, I don't know what Washington's going to really do when Kirk Cousins finally leaves because he's going to leave. I mean, it certainly seems like it at this point, especially e- either he's going to leave or he's going to become the highest paid quarterback in the league because that's basically what I would do is like, all right, you guys want to keep jerking this around, get ready to get met with like real, real hostile terms. Yep. Because by the time he gets out of there, it's not like he's going to be a restricted free agent where they get to, you know, match offer sheets or anything like that. Right. And then he's got to sign it. It's, you know, as far as I know, he's going to walk out an unrestricted free agent and just be like, all right. So how Jimmy Garoppolo go the first two weeks of uh, 2018? Not good. He broke everything. Not records. Just all of the bones. Okay, you want me to come play for uh, the Niners? Yep. Hey, how much does so, Matt? How does just Matt Stafford make again? Pay me more than that. Yeah. Yep. Hey, uh, hey, Baltimore. I hear Joe Flacco. He gets hit in the head every once in a while. And this other guy, his name's Mallet. Is he doing the hitting? What's going on? You need a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, but as far as the game's concerned, you know, it was. I wouldn't necessarily say standard Dallas affair because we're used to seeing more production out of Dak Prescott. But it was, it was about what you'd expect from at least the running game and the passing game definitely didn't do anything to hurt it yeah so, and obviously defensive touchdowns help yeah yeah they certainly they certainly are not a negative yeah i think i think if washington was able to get something going on the ground to where they could take a little weight off of Kirk cousins that that game probably would have been closer than it was probably but in the meantime we see the redskins like kind of fluctuate again and you know we we see yet another division where somebody has risen to the top and everybody else is like, I want to be the second best, not paying attention to the fact that they've got like an entire league to play against. Right. It's like, yeah, I mean, none of you guys are going to take a dive, but it's one of those conversations where it's like, all right, so the Eagles are making it out of the uh, NFC East and the Giants aren't. So one of these teams has to win eventually, I guess. Yep. They'll but will they even make the playoffs? Exactly. It's like the, the is is tight. Uh, it's so difficult predicting wild card teams, and I don't see anybody from that division really grabbing an NFC wild card slot at this point. You know, obviously things are subject to change, but like you said, they got to play the rest of the league. They can't just sit there and keep headbutting each other for second and third best, but still come out of the at the end of the year with a nine and seven record you know there's other there's right. other there's other teams in the nfc that pr- want that spot and they're certainly going to make a more convincing argument than dallas or washington have been doing two more games left uh this one is pittsburgh and detroit so matthew stafford you know kind of in a in a sense proving wise you know the highest paid quarterback in the nfl that's a lot of yards yeah you know, he had a good game no touchdown passes though that's a shame they actually didn't find the end zone at all, I believe. I think all 15 points came off field goals, so that's cool. 
Yep, definitely I all mean, 15 it, points came off field goals. <laughs> yeah, if you're the fantasy kicker who owns yourself on your fantasy team, that's awesome. Yeah, good for you, man. So most of the game was relatively average, especially on the Detroit Lions side. But the big breakaway story is Juju Smith-Schuster. Who is he, you ask? Well, no one knows, but we certainly know him now after his 97-yard touchdown and his 193 yards on seven receptions. He, That's pretty good. Yeah, he came out of fucking nowhere. Like, as soon as as soon as soon they were just like, hey, you know, we as soon it's, as they pretty much pulled up, like shifted everyone up due to some disciplinary action that occurred in Pittsburgh – Juju Smith-Schuster was just like, this is my time, this is my opportunity. The dude's fast, he has hands, he can get open, and he he, he proved it against, you know, not a great Antonio defense. Antonio Brown who? Yeah, right, exactly. You know, Antonio Brown, he made Antonio Brown's night look pedestrian. Yeah. And we're talking about the same Antonio Brown that's on pace for 1,600 yards and has, like, 90 million receptions this year already. You think Antonio Brown's mad at him because he's like, yo, you could have let me get, like, 100 at least? Yeah, fuck you. Like, I was 30 yards short, ass. And Juju Smith is like, I can give you 30 yards. You can have it. I will still be over 150. Right. You know, to put a little bit of something into perspective, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster before this game had somewhere in the ballpark of like 250 receiving yards. So he almost doubled his total receiving yards in a single game. Yeah, and he's a he's a second round pick from this year. So mm-hmm. he's made he's turned some heads. I think he's kind of submitted his cemented his place. We'll see we'll see how long they go to him, but I think he's made a convincing case to be the number 2 option in Pittsburgh. Ben Roethlisberger's like, he, he's in press conferences like, well, maybe I don't have it anymore. And Schuster's, Smith Schuster's just sitting on the side like, yeah, motherfucker, maybe if you threw it to me, you'd have it for a little bit longer. Right. Like, come on, bro. Like, I mean, but that's, I mean, that's not a lie, man. Like, fucking Ben Roethlisberger only threw for 317 yards, almost 200 of them to, to one guy. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. so, you know, that's, that's actually a very compelling thing, you know, like, Ben Roethlisberger, you look at his stats, and it's like, hey, 17 out of 31, you know, 217 yards, threw a pick, but, you know, whatever. They won the game. He threw a touchdown. You know, that's a pretty average day for a solid quarterback, especially Mm -hmm. on somebody that has a a high-powered offense like Pittsburgh does. And then you look down, and it's like, oh, he threw almost all of those yards to one guy. I'm starting to see a trend with Pittsburgh, and that's he only throws that many yards to a guy. Yeah. (laughs) All of Ben Roethlisberger's fingers are broken, but he's he's the controller where only that one button works, and it's like, yeah. okay, who, who's who's in that route right now? Because right. they're getting the ball. X always gets the ball. Whoever's lined up at X is getting the ball. All right, so arguably, probably now the most important matchup because we've already done the uh, Oakland Kansas City game is Kansas City Broncos. Let me get back on my gloat train. Hold on, where are my pants? Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> the Broncos are also a losing team now, so I don't, you know, hey. is there that much to gloat about? Uh, they're a losing team because of their offense. Kansas City Chiefs still to tech successfully put up, you know, a decent amount of points on one of the best defenses in the league. But what really think... saved Kansas City's ass is defensive touchdowns. <laughs> because Alex Smith was just not having it this game. He threw a touchdown to Travis Kelsey, and it was beautiful. But 
uh, he was under 50% and he only threw for 200 yards. And those those are bad numbers. And Kareem Hunt was stifled in the running game, but still was able to have, you know, decent production as far as total yardage. He wasn't getting much per oh, carry. He, he, he broke his 100 yards from scrimmage streak. Yep, he's officially done with the 100 yards from scrimmage streak. But one of the best defenses in the league will do that to you. But well, Travis Kelsey, man. Time to cut him. <laughs> Travis Kelsey uh pretty much making another very strong case that he if that he's the best tight end in the league whenever Gronk's injured. You know, which is all the you, time. So Travis Kelsey you, was, is pretty much the best tight end in the league. I was going to say you can probably get rid of that whenever Gronk is injured part at this point. Yeah. Yeah, he's Travis Kelsey probably it's probably just the best tight end in the league. <laughs> Travis Kelsey is an oversized wide receiver. That's all that motherfucker is, and I love him. And he he, uh, he busted out some sick moves in the end zone. I did. I did see his ridiculous moves. Yeah. I was like, you. I was like, I don't know if you're good at that, or that's what the suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio, teaches you. Yeah. I was like, ah, those are very white, but very well executed. Yeah, still looks smooth. So I don't know. And it's also funny just, like, watching him stare at the cornerback or the safety or whoever for a second and then start doing that shit. And I was like... (laughs) Like, literally, he got done with it, and then I watched the slow-mo replay of his end zone dance, and I was like, you could literally, like put as many foam balls all over him as you want and motion capture that whole thing. And when you put it into Madden, it would look fake. Yeah. Like that looked, that looked like some wire rigged shit where it's yeah. just like, yeah, now make them dance. <laughs> this is our new slash dance emote for fucking Madden. Yeah. And, and like, that's when I first saw it too, I was like, I thought it looked very, the way his body was like, like jutting back and forth and it was it looked very odd and then i realized what dance he was doing and i was like is i pretty much had a similar thought process to you it was like is he good at this or am i like am i too white to know what good dancing so is i was like, gonna say so what was he doing because i also had some sense in my head where i was like this is clearly from something Oh, dude, fuck if I know. Somebody, a friend of mine texted me and was just like, so Travis Kelsey busted out the such and such dance, and I was just like, oh, oh. that's cool, man. Um, oh, okay. I don't, yeah, I, I, beyond me, man, I'm I'm a, I'm a white kid from the suburbs. I don't know how all that stuff goes on. Could be worse. Could be the Katy Perry thing, which apparently is, I don't even know where that came from. I, I fucking. Internet. Yeah. I got old at some point and stopped paying attention to new music, so if it ain't the new Doomtree album, I don't care. <laughs> or some new Vince Staples. I guess I care a little bit, but yeah. only when that shit's hard. So anyways, talking about this game, I don't know, that's kind of about it. Like, Kansas no, City played well, Denver didn't. Slightly less so. And now we're going to see Brock Osweiler taking the reins of the Denver Broncos once again. When Did you ever think you were going to see that again? Uh, like, how far back do I have to go to say no? Like, like this season when he got picked back up by Den- like before I knew he was on the team. No, I didn't see that that was happening again. Apparently, he's been on the team since the beginning of the season. I didn't know that, but yeah, that makes some sense. I could see that. 
doesn't surprise me that much. It's almost like the dude won a bunch of games in like a playoff game while Peyton Manning was hurt. Like he's well, he's just, totally capable. Well, I I just meant more in the sense of you know Trevor Simeon also played very well last year. So were we expecting Trevor Simeon to be this poor this season, and also expecting Brock, Brock Osweiler to well, have to take over for that team once again? Especially when they still, I, especially when they still have Paxton Lynch just rotting away on the sideline right now. Right, and what I'm saying is, I don't even see Trevor Simeon as necessarily being that good of an option. But Brock Osweiler is, to a degree, a proven product for the Denver Broncos. So, yeah, I totally get it. He might turn around and completely shit the bed, but he might also turn around and get them back to the playoffs again somehow. So, yeah, you know, we'll have to see. Tim Tebow was also not a good quarterback. Guess what he did? Won games. So, well, that's what happens when you play for the Broncos. Yeah, the defense will win some for you. <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> like not even in that sense of you know the offense did well, but the defense really carried them. No, the defense will straight up win you a Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Von, shout out Joe Flacco. Right. Fuck. Shout out Denver. <laughs> shout out. Shout out early Tom Brady. Yeah. Shout out Peyton Manning. Well, yeah, in his broken arm season throwing year old yep. looking. Yep. Von ass. Miller. Yeah, Von Miller's like strip second ass. Okay, so we talked about uh the trade deadline. We talked about briefly Zeke's suspension, resuspension. Yeah. The suspension on his truck. Um <laughs> he got trucked and now he is stuck uh on the sideline for a while. Uh do we have anything else we well, the have pressing the, interesting. Well, the NFLPA uh, filed a motion for injunction for Elliot. He's still fighting that suspension, so we'll see. Okay. Yeah, the of course, you know, Gordon being reinstated gives me a sign of hope. Yep. We also talked about that. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I'm just going over um, things we already talked about. Um. Ooh, excuse me. Now. Oh, gas. Oh, gas. Uh, talked about that stuff. Talked about that. No, I'm pretty much, that pretty much wraps it up. Yeah, I think we've basically got everything. We, you know, start off with some news this time so we don't have it sitting there on the back end, but I feel like we got a decent conversation out of it. Oh, sure. A little, little, little discuss. Little <laughs> well, uh, you definitely got some, you know, a decent rant. Yeah, if, if y'all are into that kind of thing, dude, that I was think... that was exhausting. But I felt so good afterwards. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot less pauses, so it felt like you actually had something to say other than just like slogging through the trenches for once. No, I, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, this is the first time. This is the first time in my entire lifetime of being a very, very long time Browns fan where I have been genuinely disgusted with the Browns. So, and if this that says this thing. This is the first time in ever as being a Bills fan that I can say genuinely, I think we're going to the playoffs. Hell yeah, boy. Um, I'm disgusted. So Y'all are going to the playoffs. What have we learned? Yeah. Don't trust anything. Yeah. Ne- next year, it'll be the Browns, maybe. Lord. That would be the apocalypse. be the end of the world. <laughs> well, it could be right around the corner, but for right now, we have to turn a corner and end this podcast uh it's been november the 1st 2017 and this has been the fourth and wrong podcast uh say goodbye keith
Uh, goodbye, Keith. Asshole. <laughs> Jackson's coached the motherfucker before, and he likes him. Hugh Jackson also likes. Also, AJ I McCarron. can't. I can't stop seeing Wolverine every time you say Hugh Jackson. Just black Wolverine. <laughs> well, see, now I'm not going to be able to stop seeing it. Sorry, you fucker. Yep, that's that's me. <laughs> Tom Brady starts coming out with this almost cultish fucking TB12 method shit, and he's like, "Nah, I'm going to play till I'm 60," and then he's going out and playing. Wait. He's going to get tuberculosis 12 times, and that's how he's going to play until he's 45? Absolutely. That's 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 what it is. Have you read the book? No. What's reading? Fair enough. Anyways. I, <laughs> I talk into a microphone. <laughs> that's not even the same. Not even remotely close to the same. And that's bullshit. You read notes. What? <laughs>